Good morning. How are we doing today? Good day. Beautiful weekend. Um, I am so honored to be here. Truly honored. This has been a long time coming for Ashley and I as we have prayed specifically for this morning. And I know that you have been praying for even longer. So we're very thankful to be here. Um, to the pastoral search team, thank you. To the spouses and the children of the pastor search team, thank you. You have given so much time. And from the very beginning, we have sensed how much you care about this church. You've given so many hours. You've been so encouraging, so prayerful, and I'm thankful for all of you and for your families for the sacrifice that you've made. And to the elders, um, you know, when we got to sit down and, and talk to you, I knew instantly how much you care about this church. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'm very thankful. So let's, let's pray as we go to God's word. Father, we're so grateful for the people in this room, for the opportunity to be here right now. And it has been a season. And we're thankful that you're with us through every single season. And we pray now, God, that you would speak to us and encourage us and teach us according to your word. We come into this room with so much going on in our lives, personally, stressors, struggles, and God, this morning, we want to hear from you, even in the midst of our struggle. So God, we give you our time as we open up your word, speak to us, encourage us. It's in your name we pray, amen. A few months ago, um, I had a hard conversation with a friend of mine from Burke um, about officiating a funeral of his wife. Um, Bill and Judy were friends of ours. We met them uh, right when we moved to Burke, I think he was on the search team that hired me. And so we got to know Bill and Judy very quickly. Um, and Bill and Judy loved us. They loved our family very well. Um, she cooked some really good Mexican food. Um, she, they cared for us. And so a couple years ago, Judy was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was a painful road to watch them walk through this. And then uh, just a few months ago... Um, Judy passed away. And Bill and I were talking about the funeral. And it is hard because we knew this, we know this family very well. And I remember the first thing Bill asked me to do. He wanted me to read from a very famous passage, especially for funerals. Psalm 23. The first four verses says this, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want.'" He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we went through this passage, I could not get past the first line. You know, as he's asking me to read this passage, and I'm just thinking about it, I got stuck on that second phrase, I shall not want. 
And this was the question, the honest question that came into my mind. How is it possible to ever say that I don't want anything? How is it possible for Bill to sit here in my office and say right now, there is nothing I want? And and if you were to just sit there and to think, man, of all the things you want in your life, some would be maybe silly or funny, things that you want. Some would be serious. And I have things that I want. I was, I was at my, the, the, the lady who cuts my hair, and I've gone and seen Lily for years and years now. And Lily said to me the other day, she said, Matt, it's getting easier to cut your hair. I'm like, what are you talking about, Lily? She said, you, it's going. I don't want that. I don't want, that's not fun. But there are serious things that right now, if you were to just reflect on your life, things that you want. I want to see my grandparents, even though they've passed away. I want my best friend to come to Christ. How is it possible that we can say, I have no wants? There's nothing that I want. The Lord is my shepherd. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. And we're going to see pretty quickly that um, understanding our wants, is to understand our wants, or that we don't need anything, it's critical to see that he is our shepherd. Okay? Um, our shepherd gives us everything we need, even if we don't understand it. I want to start out by looking at just a few quick points before we get into the the couple of of verses this morning. First point that I want to just talk about is that when you read verse 1, it is equivalent to an if-then statement. It's equivalent to an if-then statement. It doesn't say if-then, but this this is what David alludes to. If the Lord is your shepherd, then you will have no wants. You don't get the second statement if you can't say the first statement. You don't get to the, he gives you everything you want, he provides for your wants, if you cannot sit there and say, you know what, God is my shepherd. If you don't say the Lord is my shepherd, if you sit there, if you're sitting there thinking, you know what, he's not my shepherd, then you do have wants. You can't get to that second phrase without affirming the first. It's like when I'm talking to my son Truman. He's here. I didn't know he'd be in here. Um, And I say to Truman, if you want to go to the swimming pool, then you need to clean your room. You need to clean your room if you want to go to the pool. Probably means we're staying at home for the afternoon. You don't go to the pool, though, until you do this. And it's the same with this passage. Until you can sit there and say, God is my shepherd, then we can't even get on to the rest of the passage. And so what does it mean when I say, he is my shepherd? Like, what does it mean to say, be able to sit there and say, you know what, God is my shepherd? Well, it's equivalent to you being able to say, um, I have a relationship with Christ. It's not just something I do. It's not just something that I say. Like, I have a relationship with the Father, and as my shepherd, he leads me, he guides me, he knows my name, he loves me. And so to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, is for you to be able to sit there and say without a shadow of a doubt, 
I have a relationship with the God who made me. And if you can say that and affirm that and you know that to be true, then the next phrase is true. I have no wants. So let's just think through that for a second. How is it possible? Does, what does this mean? Does it mean God gives you every single thing you want? Clearly, you know that's not true. It doesn't mean that you're going to have everything in your life and you're never going to want something. Okay, specifically in this context, this, this phrase um, of, of having no wants literally is translated, I lack nothing. Or specifically in this context, you will lack nothing that the shepherd knows you need. So it's not that you just get everything you want. It's you will not lack anything that the shepherd knows you need. So you may not even know that you need it, by the way. Israel in the wilderness, it's a really, there's a fascinating couple of chapters. Deuteronomy 2 talks about Israel, while they were in the wilderness, used the same phrase here in Psalm 23. It says they lacked nothing. So Israel lacked nothing. And then a few chapters later in Deuteronomy 8, it talks about they were, how they were hungry. They were exhausted. They were mad and they were complaining. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Deuteronomy 2 said they lacked nothing. And now we're in Deuteronomy 8 and they're hungry and they're complaining. But Deuteronomy 8 goes on to talk about how God knows that what they needed was not food. What they needed was humility. And so God's provision in Deuteronomy 8 wasn't food. Even though they were hungry, they could still say, you know what? I have no, I have no wants. Because God knew what they needed. They needed to be humbled. It's like um, with, with Caroline. Many, many years ago, Caroline is our seven-year-old. We were sitting at the dinner table. She didn't know this was coming, but um, we were sitting at the dinner table. She was fussing as just a little baby. You know how mealtimes can be, having an episode. She wanted something, and we had no idea what she wanted. So she's screaming, and she's making noises, and you know what parents do? You're just like giving her whatever you, just make her happy so that she'll stop crying. And so we're looking around, trying to figure out, what are you saying? Why are you crying? And then finally, we start to get it. Caroline was pointing to something in the kitchen, this blue liquid that she really wanted. You can show the picture of what she wanted. It's like... Okay, she wanted that. She had a need, and she didn't know what that blue liquid was. It's not a good thing to drink. But we knew that that is not what was in her best interest. Even though she wanted it, it was a felt want as her parents. We knew that's not good for you. This is how it is in the psalm. It's not that you get everything you want. It's that we get what the shepherd knows that we need. And that's really what Psalm 23 is about. Psalm 23 starts with this first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he's going to break it down. Here are those things that the shepherd will provide you so that you can say, I have no wants. And we want to go through a few of these. The first thing that the shepherd provides us in the second and third verse, I'll read it again. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
So God's provision, what is God giving us that allows us to say, I have no wants? And this first one is interesting, right? It's not, his provision is not food, groceries, paychecks, family. His first one has to do with rest. God provides us rest. Ezekiel 34, you don't need to turn there, gives us a picture of what the shepherd is talking about. It says in verses 14 and 15, it says, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. You read these passages, and the picture is the sheep sitting down. The shepherd has fed them, and now they're ready to take a nap. And it's more than just physical rest, right? Because that last phrase in, in, in the beginning of verse 3 is, he restores my soul. This isn't that he is saying, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you physical rest. When he brings in the, he restores my soul, this gets spiritual. He is saying, I want to give my sheep rest. I want to restore you so that you can say, I have no unmet needs when it comes to rest. But here's what's interesting about rest. We don't like to rest, do we? We like to be busy. We like to go and to be involved and say yes to things and do things with sports and activities. And rest is not something that we're good at. And here we have the shepherd saying, my first provision that I'm going to give you is rest. Well, how do we have rest today? Like if we think about it, just, just how does this apply? Like where does God give us rest today? Well, first he gives us rest in his word. Like have you ever been dry or exhausted and you've opened up your Bible and been refreshed in the word? Psalm 119, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I remember when I was in high school and I was in a tough place. I had just moved to a new school and I was discouraged and I was sad and I was broken. And I remember looking through the Bible. The radio had mentioned some verse in, in Psalm I think it was 55, and I couldn't even turn the page to Psalm 55 because I was stuck on Psalm 46. And I remember reading about the chaos of the world in Psalm 46, the earthquakes and the fires and the noise and the war. And then how does that Psalm close? Be still and know that I am God. And I wept over this passage because God was encouraging me that mo though my life was felt like it was out of control. Here, the God of the universe, in his word, is refreshing me, encouraging me. God gives us refreshment through his word. God gives us refreshment through worship. And hopefully you've experienced that, where you're worshiping and you felt refreshed. He refreshes us through relationships. Right? You read about Paul and Philemon and their relationship, and Paul writes this letter to him. 
And he talks about his relationship with Philemon was encouraging, refreshing to him. Hopefully, you have people in your life who refresh you and encourage you. The first provision that God gives us in Psalm 23 is, I'm going to restore your soul. I'm giving you means by which you can be refreshed. The second one, he goes on in the second part of 23.3. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, we're trying to understand what is David telling us about what the shepherd gives us. And he's saying the shepherd is going to lead you on the path of righteousness. We all have a good story about getting lost, probably. Probably. Like you can remember something where you got so lost and it was the worst possible time for you to get lost. Your GPS lied to you. Your phone died. You couldn't find your MapQuest printouts. Like you were lost. Ashley has given me permission to share this story. It's probably not a good thing that I start out saying that. Um, Ashley went to Cedarville, and when she was coming home one, one break from Cedarville, she grew up in Lancaster. Um, her roommate was driving, so just remember that. That's the caveat. She was not driving. And they're talking life and boys and classes and break and all the, they're just talking. And they get to the highway, and they have a choice to make. Which direction are they going to go, west or east? If you think about where Ohio is, and you think about where Lancaster is, there's a right choice, okay? They made the wrong choice. They started going westbound, and they're just talking and talking and talking. And hours, hours into it, they see a sign, and they're like, this is not right. This is not the way we're supposed to be going. And Ashley, who's very, very kind and sweet all the time, she's, she told me she was so mad that they were hours out of the way. Okay, this is talking about direction. He leads me on the path of righteousness. And I love this phrase. This phrase is so deep. Path of righteousness. Okay, there's two ways that this little phrase can be understood. Two ways. First, the most common, like if you're just thinking about this text, it, it's the shepherd is saying, I'm going to take you the right way. I'm going to say, hey, sheep, follow me. I know where I'm going. Follow me, and I will take you there. And I certainly I think that's part of this passage. The shepherd is saying, I'm taking you the right way. Trust me. Let me lead you. But it's actually something more than that, because the right path could also be translated the path of righteousness. So depending on how you understand this phrase and the use of the word right, it also has this idea of righteousness. And I think David is actually saying, I want you to understand both. It's as if he's saying, the right path is the path of righteousness, it's, it's as if he's saying, the direction that I give you is more about your righteousness than your destination, right? Because it's interesting that he's giving us this direction here. I'm going to lead you on the path of righteousness. Does he tell us where that path is going? No, it doesn't say where it's going. He's saying, here's the, the path that you're on is the path of righteousness. What he is saying is, is 
I want to guide you and give you everything you need to be righteous. To be righteous. Because God does not care as much about where you're going than who you are before you get there. That's what he's saying. I'm going to lead you on the path of righteousness. So you may not know if you should take this job. Okay, what, what, is God going to tell me what job I should take? Is God going to tell me where I should go to college? Is God going to tell me who I'm, gonna, who I'm supposed to marry? Well, what's the answer? No, he's not going to tell you. You're not going to find her name in the Bible. Like, you can't, it's not going to happen like that. But what does God tell us a lot about? How to be righteous. It's because God cares more about who you are becoming than where you're going. So he tells you how to be a husband and how to be a wife, how to care for your spouse and to submit and serve and love them more than he tells us who. And with college, he tells you more about your integrity and your purity and your relationships more than he's going to tell you what college to go to. God gives us righteous direction. And then lastly, and this is, this, I love this. I love this idea. Verse 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The righteous path is not always the path of peace. The righteous path is not always the path of peace. The still waters, the green pastures are going to lead you to a valley of the shadow of death. The phrase shadow of death. Okay, it's, it's I get interested by these little phrases. It's, there's so many different translations to this little phrase. The darkest valley. The valley of the shadow of death. The valley of deep Darkness, the dark valley of death. So there's some, there's some ambiguity with what this phrase, how it's actually translated, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. The picture is this pathway that the sheep are on and it's dangerous. They're in a low valley and they're struggling and they're sick and they're in trouble and there is all sorts of opportunities around them that are causing them harm. Valleys. We sometimes think of this passage specifically with, with death and at a funeral, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's broader than that. It's broader. He's saying any path that you go on that leads you to despair or discouragement or sadness, that is what's being talked about here. And think about all the despair that you know of, that you have faced, all the sadness, all the valleys that you have walked through. I've gotten phone calls this week, unexplainable things. Divorce and depression and suicide and all these things of sadness. And what's the promise? What's the comfort that the shepherd gives his sheep that will cause us to say, I have nothing to want, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death? It's the little phrase, I'm with you. I am with you. That's the provision. The provision isn't that your life is going to be just great all the time. The provision is, I am with you. 
presence. You know, and if you've probably experienced some challenging things in your life, and people all do all sorts of nice things. They bring you lasagna, and they bring you cards, and they show up on your door. Kind things. But in my experience, the most loving thing someone can do for me when I'm struggling is to just be there for me. To come and sit. And guess this is hard. They don't say anything. Presence. They hold your hands. And they're with you overnight at the hospital. Presence. That's what, he's, that's what the shepherd is promising us. I will be with you. So Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I am with you. And he goes a step further. Okay, so he doesn't just say, I'm with you. He goes and he explains how he manifests his presence with us. And it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, the rod and the staff were used as tools by the shepherd to remind the sheep as they went through the dark valleys that the shepherd was with them. So the shepherd would literally, with his staff, would touch the sheep in the darkness as if to say, I'm right here with you. A physical presence, a physical reminder that God is with us. My sister-in-law shares a story about experiencing God's presence with her in darkness. When she was 27 weeks pregnant, they lost their little baby girl, and it was a traumatic, devastating event, obviously. And Ashley and I were in college at the time. Ashley left Cedarville to go be with her sister. Um, And she shares this story about how God showed her that he was with her. She shared a story about how one night they wanted to get out of the house. And so they decided to go to an arcade to just experience life. And and their stepson went with them. So the three of them go to this arcade. And she said that she quickly realized that this was a bad idea. You see the little girls all around you. And she describes it as she, she realized how many little girls. It just seemed that it was obvious. And then she writes this. As she was struggling with with just being there, she says, Father, I know hope is fine, the name of their daughter. In fact, I know she's more than fine. She's alive and well and in your perfect home. But please, could you somehow please let this hurting mom know how happy you are to have her, that laughter is ringing in the halls of heaven, that she is a breath of vibrant joy to the many already living there. I mean, I really cannot enjoy her on this side of heaven. I really need to know that she's being enjoyed and cherished on the other side. And she explains, as this internal conversation was going on, my eyes shifted their focus onto the red glow of the exit sign onto a head full of brown curly hair, bound up in two little pigtails. A little girl, certainly no more than two years years old, passes by holding the hand of her daddy. At the precise second, my requests were placed This pint-sized pigtail girl stops. She turns her head. She looks me in the eyes, and she nods her head. I kid you not, 
There was no imagining it. I sat up on the yellow bench, stunned at what had just happened. In my painful reality, God had heard in that second, heaven touched earth in a tangible, unforgettable way. God does not always show himself in these types of ways. Does not always, but Psalm 23 is telling us that as our shepherd, he wants us to know that he is with us when we are in the valleys. It may be a song you hear, and you've experienced this. In your darkest days, you've experienced things where you've been able to say, man, that was, God, is, God is here with me. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a verse that you read. But the principle is the shepherd wants you to know that I'm with you. So here's what we have in Psalm 23. God's our shepherd, and he's leading us, and he's providing us. And it's not just what you want. It's what he knows you need for his best interest. He gives us rest. He gives us rest. He gives us a pathway of righteousness. He tells us this is how we are to live. And then when we get in the dark valley, and we will, he says, I am with you. I want to show you that I'm with you. I want to communicate that, that I'm here with you. What a shepherd we have. Let's pray. Father, so easy to read Psalm 23 and just skip on by. We are so familiar with this passage that I think we sometimes forget the beauty of what you provide for us. You have given us rest. You have given us direction. You have given us your presence by the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we pray that this morning that we would reflect on this truth and that we would run to you as our shepherd who provides all our needs. I pray that if there's somebody in here who's hurt, who was hurting, who's in a valley, God, that they would remember and experience your presence, that you care about them and that you're there with them. Even today, God, I pray that they would experience your nearness, your closeness, your love for them, even in the darkness. God, most of all, we thank you for Christ. He is the way to you. We're thankful for him and his death on the cross to pay for our sins. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Matt, for sharing this morning. Just a few things as he was sharing that I wrote down I thought was so powerful. Uh, one thing he said, God cares more about who you're becoming than where you're going. And we always want to know what's next. We want to see the next step, what he has for us, where he's taking us. And that was encouraging. And the last one, that the path isn't always peaceful, but he is always present with us. What powerful, powerful promises for us